the cross-shaped love that you put on display for us, Jesus. So we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I think I have a new favorite worship song that is just so rich. Just overcome with God's kindness this morning that he would die for such a wretch like me. That he's not only forgiven us, but he's given us new life. He's given us life abundantly. We are in the second week of the One Another's, a new community. And um, today I've retitled the sermon, um, Honoring One Another. It was encourage and build up one another, but it's honor one another from Romans 12.10. How many of you have seen or heard of the movie, uh, Annie Get Your Gun? Quite a few of you have, not many of you that are younger, but you would know the song. So there's a Frank and there's an Annie, they're the main characters. And uh, a little bit of competition going on. And Frank said this to Annie. He says, and now, little lady, if you'd kindly step up to the parapet, I'll give you a lesson in marksmanship. And Annie responded, you couldn't give me a lesson in long-distance spitting. And he said, no, I can't. She said, yes, yes, I can. Frank, anything I can be, I can be, anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. And it goes on and continues over and over again. And it's fun, actually, in some ways, especially, I think, with guys. I don't know if gals do it that much, but to talk smack, um, particularly in the beginning of a competition, whether it be cards, whether it be professional sports, whether it be um, cornhole, which I have a right to talk smack in. Um, I guess I just did it, didn't I? I think part of God's common grace actually is competition. It's not inherently evil, and I think that there's going to be competition in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth. I just don't think we're going to lose our cool. I don't think we're going to want just our best, but we're going to want the best for our competitor. On Friday night, Nancy and I played cards once or twice a week, and on Friday night, I outdid Nancy in cards. Second time in a row, I feel pretty good about it because it doesn't happen often. And we often will talk smack with each other. Like, I'd say, honey, like, I'm going to hang on to this. You can put it on the fridge if you want. Um, I'm even going to put it on Facebook. But where competition starts to break down is when we seek honor and glory as a result of our success while dishonoring the competition. It breaks down when we seek our glory and honor while dishonoring the competition. And when we do that, it feeds the pride of our flesh. And I would argue that the goal of competition is not to outdo one another, but to do our God-given best, to enjoy the competition, and want the best for the others that we're competing against. It's not the way of the world. The way of the world, the way to success in this world is to promote our reputation, to highlight our strengths, to work to gain a place of notoriety and success no matter what the cost is and no matter what the damage is. Additionally, I fear that we dishonor our opponent in a way that makes us look good and making them look bad. I talked about this last week. I've I've seen a lot of disputes Um, in marriages, in churches, in this church over the years, and in Christian organizations. 
And oftentimes the result of these, these disputes are pride and wanting to do, outdo one another in being right. Anybody relate with that? That I want to outdo this other person in being right and protecting my rights while I'm dishonoring the other party. The other party, excuse me. The hardest relationships to reconcile are the ones that only see the fault of the other party and they're not being honest about their part or their sin. It's almost impossible when you walk into a room of two people that are feuding, disputing, and they are doing this, you know you've got your work cut out for you. Like if you're walking in, there's always going to be dispute and conflict, but when people are, are evaluating themselves in, in light of the gospel, rather than pointing the finger at the others, it's just it's easier to bring about reconciliation. So in our flesh, every human being, even Christians, in our flesh we are selfishly prone to seek our own glory and honor rather than seeking the glory and honor of others that God has given us. So I want to answer a question up front. What is glory? What is glory? Not necessarily, a, this is a um, Webster definition. It's high renown or honor won by notable achievements. It's magnificence or great beauty. We bring glory to someone or something when we honor them or honor the institution by upholding it as a picture of beauty or accomplishment. We honor people who have had great accomplishments in sports, business, literature, politics, um, people who have brought glory to their team, their town, their school, their nation, their business, etc. Um, we honor fallen soldiers for their sacrificial service and bringing glory to our country. We honor um, people at their funerals or retirement parties for the glory of their life. And it's right in many ways. It's right and good to honor those who brought glory to others. So what is glory in the context of God's word? What does it mean to bring glory to God? What is, how is God's glory shown? We talked about this last week. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to, to tap into it because last week we laid the foundation for all the one another's um, in, where we talked about the glory of God. Glory, God's glory, is the outward shining of God's inward being. God's glory is his outward shining of who he really is. And glory is not primarily what we give to God. We talk about giving God glory, but it's what he gives to us. It just shines in and through us. Most of us are keenly aware and see God's glory in creation, do we not? Um, I was driving home from the church yesterday and just uh, driving north, and I saw the, the craziest um, uh, clouds that it, it looked like Something like an animal was devouring another animal. I just like my imagination just went wonky, but I just like audibly just thank the Lord for it. And this morning when I was in my office way too early, um, I just glanced out the window and I just saw the the pink hues of the sky with the sun rising. And it caused me to glorify God. God's creation, we're told in His Word, declares His glory. We see the glory of God in creation, as the psalmist says in 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Now, we don't honor 
the skies and the heavens. I didn't honor the clouds or honor the sun or um, any of that for what I saw yesterday and this morning. We give glory to God for Him, for His making it, them beautiful. He's the one who that created them and made them beautiful. However it's, however, it's good and it's appropriate to honor others when we observe the glory of God shining in and through them. My guess is, is that you have never, I know I haven't until this last week, thought about the glory of God in his human creation and how we are to honor others when we see that glory shining in and through. So my prayer is that it will not only blow your mind this morning, but it would compel you to want to other, uh, honor others as you see the glory of God in them. So we're going to take a look at Romans 12.10, one verse today. In fact, just the second half of Romans 12.10 this morning. And we're going to answer the following questions. There's four questions we're going to answer this morning. Is What is honor? Why should we outdo one another in showing honor? How do we show honor? And what are the pitfalls in showing honor? First, I want to give just a high-level overview from last week. We've titled this eight-week sermon series, uh, The One Another's A New Community. It's because a new community was born when the justice of God was satisfied by the love of God on the cross of Christ. This new community called the church is made up of former enemies who are now called sons and daughters. This family, sons and daughters, were a community in process who are continually being transformed by the power of the gospel. Shortly before Jesus died on the cross, we saw this in John chapter 13 last week, um, Jesus told his disciples just a couple of days before he died, he said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Jesus pronounced that the glory of God and the love of God would be revealed in their fullest at the cross of Christ. If you, if you think the, the heavens and creation and the sky declares the glory of God, that the glory of God was most clearly revealed at the cross of Christ. And then after he said those words, after he said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him, he says it's glory time, he gave, Jesus gave his disciples then, and it's for us today, uh, this new yet old commandment. He says in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I've given to you, that you what? Love one another. This is in the context of the new community. It's not an excuse not to love the world and the people of the world, but this is specifically for the new community. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It was an old commandment because it was given up as part of the um, law to his people, the Jewish people, in the book of Leviticus. However, it's a new commandment because his people... Today, then and today, have a model to follow with you, an example in Christ uh, to follow, and they now have the power, we now have the power, or the, our new nature, to be able to live out this love. So we have an example to follow, and we have a, the power to, to live it out. The humble, self-giving love of Christ at the cross is our motivation and our pattern for loving others. All the other one another's that we're going to go through the next six weeks um, 
are, are examples of how to live out this cross-shaped love. So we're talking today about outdoing one another in showing honor. This is a way that we live out this call to love one another as we have been loved. This self-giving love of Christ is the defining mark of an authentic Christian community. We talked last week that that what defines us isn't our doctrine. What defines us isn't our mission. Um, We have right doctrine, but right doctrine should also, should lead to, um, gospel doctrine should lead to gospel culture. And if there's not a gospel culture where we are loving one another and honoring one another, and forgiving one another, as we're going to talk about, confessing our sins to one another, then the gospel doctrine hasn't rooted in our heart. We're Pharisees. You see, without living out a gospel culture that is defined by cross-shaped love, gospel doctrine is null and void. So this type of love, this cross-shaped love that we're called to seeks God's glory and the good of others even if we get nothing in return. Remember we talked about what what C.S. Lewis calls this agape love? It's a give love. It's a selfless love. It's an other-centered love. It's a love that we give out without expecting anything in return. In fact, it's a love that we give out where it might actually cost us something. Not not just, not only... um, getting nothing in return, but having a great cost in the same way that it costs Jesus. Um, uh, Paul wrote this in Colossians 3, 12 and 14. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So also we must forgive. And above all, at the very beginning, at the front of the line, Put on love, agape love, selfless love, give love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Remember this Jonathan Edwards quote that I uh, brought up last week? Love is the chief of the affections and the fountain of all other affections. We could say that, that love is the, uh, is the chief of, is, I'll just say, uh, that love is the chief of the uh, one another's and the fountain of all other one another's. So we're going to spend the rest of our time taking a close look at Romans 12.10. And he says this, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And we could probably have another sermon on the first part of it. Love one another with brotherly affection. But we're going to focus on the second half, outdoing one another in showing honor. Originally, when we talked about this as pastors and our preaching collective, uh, what I had slotted in for this Sunday is to uh, the one another of encouraging one another and building one another up. But as I took a look at honoring one another, um, I was intrigued. I was intrigued by the command to outdo one another in showing honor. This is the only place in Scripture that I'm aware of that we're commanded to compete with one another. And the more competitive we get with this, everyone wins. Before we dig in, let me, let me give you a high-level context uh, for the book of Romans that I trust will be helpful for us. 
the Apostle Paul is writing about 25 years, plus or minus, after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. The first 11 chapters in the book of Romans are what we would call um, our, on justification. It's really, the, it's really gospel doctrine. It's the indicatives of Scripture, we might say. And then starting in chapter 12, uh, Paul starts to unpack the, the um, gospel culture. Now what, so what? Here's, all, here's these 11 chapters on justification, who we are in Christ, what Jesus accomplished. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Starting in verse 1, chapter 12, what do we do with it? How do we live it out? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. So Paul teaches the church, um, starting in chapter 12, how to cultivate a gospel culture and how this new community called the church lives out our gospel doctrine. Let's take a peek at the beginning of chapter 12 as Paul introduces this gospel culture that we are to live out, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Everything that he said, all the justification that he, he pronounced in the first 11 chapters, uh, by his mercy, you've been justified and brought into this new community. So I appeal to you by the mercy of God that justified you and brought you into this new community to do what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We're to live sacrificial lives, not to get anything, but because we have already been fully accepted. So I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We're to live sacrificial lives, knowing that we've been set apart and we've been fully accepted. And then he says, that's your spiritual worship. Then verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. You're new. You're part of a new community. You're not part of this old community called the fallen world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. We are no longer to be conformed to the world, but we're being transformed by the love of Christ into ones who live out cross-shaped love for other people. And then he goes to verses 3 through 8. In verses 3 through 8 in chapter 12, he touches on what we call what he calls gifts of service. We know those as spiritual gifts that are given to individuals in this new community. And then that brings us to this pregnant section of Romans chapter 12 and verses 9 through 21 where he just dumps the marks of the true Christian community. And he starts this section off with guess what? Love. Let love be genuine or sincere. Don't just give love lip service. Like, what does it mean to love other people as Christ loved us? It's love in action. It's sincere love that's rooted in Christ's love. So the command in today's passage that's rooted in love is to outdo one another in showing honor. So as we look at, at Romans uh, 12, 10, I think I already said this. I'm going to say it again. Um, there's four questions we're going to answer. What is honor? Why outdo one another in showing honor? How do we show honor? And what are the pitfalls? So what is the Christian, def, Christian definition of honor? 
Well, first of all, the, the, the definition that most of us understand, including me, was already mentioned, that the world honors people who have had great accomplishments in sports, business, literature, politics, and who have brought glory to their team, their town, their school, their business, or their country through sacrificial service. That's what we do when we honor somebody. They brought glory to some population by their service, by their work, by their actions. And it is good and right to give people glory for those worldly accomplishments. In fact, Scripture instructs Christians to honor everyone. We're going to be talking about honoring one another in the Christian community, to outdo one another showing honor in the Christian community. But we're actually called to honor everyone, and I don't want to skirt past that. Um, Peter tells us that in 1 Peter 2.17. He says, honor everyone, including Nero. You know who Nero was? He was a murderer. He antagonized Christians. And he actually called Nero out to honor him. We've got some kids in here. Kids, do you know who else we're called to honor? If you know the answer, yell it out. Jesus is always the right answer. Thank you. Always. And we're to honor our mother and father. And you know why? It's because God in his providence and in his kindness and his goodness gave your parents to you as your authority. And you're to honor them for the primary reason because God in his providence gave them to you. And most of you have perfect parents. They have a sure direction towards perfection. But we're to, we're to honor our God-given authorities. But Christian honor in the context of the new community is the subject of our text today. It's recognizing. Here's what it is. Here's what Christian honor in the context of the new community is. It's recognizing. Don't miss this. It's recognizing the glory of God shining in and through the people of God. That's what we do. We, we recognize it. Ray Ortland wrote this, the doctrine of glorification creates a culture of honor. The doctrine of glorification creates a culture of honor. This new community called the church should be and can be a culture of honor because of the doctrine of glorification. When we honor others, we're recognizing the glory of God working in them and shining through them. I don't know if you've ever thought about it in that way. We, bring, we, we say glory be to God when we see his glory shining through the sunrise or the sunset or the clouds or the sand on the beach. But Jesus said this in John 17 when he was praying to the Father, the glory, Father, that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Uh, Paul said in Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, 
of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If Christ is in you, his glory is going to shine in and through you in increasing ways. And to honor other people is to recognize and call out that glory. God is glorified when we bring attention to his glory. It's when we, we bring attention to his glory and his grace that is working in his recreated sons and daughters. The glory of God in this new community is more glorious than a sunset or sunrise. If his inanimate creation declares his glory, how much more should those made in his image declare his glory? Let me take it one step further. How much more should those created in his image who have been recreated and brought into a new community who now have the Spirit of God declare his glory? So I got a question. I know the answer for me. I know the answer yesterday, and I know my aim tomorrow. Do you show up on Sunday morning or at community group intentionally looking for the glory of God in others in the same way that you might stay up late to see an eclipse or get up early to see the sunrise? Do you walk into the, to the people of God expecting to see the glory of God? Next question to answer is, why should we outdo one another in showing honor? The way we love one another in this new community brings glory to God. It strengthens and deepens the faith of other believers. And it's a compelling witness to the onlooking world. First, it glorifies God. God commands us to honor one another for the, for the good that we see in each other. And when we do that, it brings him glory. Because, why? Because he's the one that enables anything good that comes out of our life. So why do we outdo one another in showing honor? First, we glor it glorifies God. Second, it strengthens a believer. God demands that we honor each other because this strengthens and confirms the faith of our brothers and sisters in this new community. When you're on the receiving end, of honor in the body of Christ, you experience the confirmation that you are indeed in the family and God is working in you. Have you ever had long periods of time you're like, I just don't even know if I'm growing. I continue to do the same things over and over again. And when somebody pokes at you and go like, I see you getting more patient. I see you holding your tongue more. Like it's strengthening. It's a reminder that God is working in us. So number two, it, it strengthens and confirms the faith of struggling believers. And then number three, it, it strengthens our witness. God demands that we honor each other because this lures the world to love him and all that he is for them in Christ. Like, like how attractive is the church of Christ when, when we're not only um, not honoring one another, but we are um, intentionally and publicly dishonoring one another. I don't want any part of that. When you magnify Christ by outdoing each other and showing honor, the world will see and be more inclined to glorify God. So how do we show this glory? How do we show this honor? Excuse me. 
The starting place is being honest with yourself about your sin. About your sin. It starts with me being honest with myself about my sin. And that the, that the only goodness in me and the only goodness in you is because of the grace of God. The starting place is to be honest with ourselves. And when we are, it frees us up to see past the sin of others. It enables us to truly honor them as we see the glory of God working in and through them. It takes away our judgmental eyes. The next way we show, um, we outdo one another in showing honor is, um, is to see past their flesh. To see the manifest glory of God in the way that they live their life. To, to look for the glory of Christ. Look for evidence in their flawed lives. God is at work in every saint. And I don't know about you, but like one of my spiritual gifts is to see what's wrong with everything. That's not Christ in me, quite frankly. There's some discernment the Lord has given me, but it's nauseating at times. So God is at work in every saint. Don't dishonor the work of God by only complaining about the works of the flesh in other people. Look for evidence of grace. This is what God is going to do for you and me on the day of judgment. He's going to gather up all of our failures, all the failures in your life, and he's going to burn them. Then he will rejoice over all the evidence of grace in your life. Can we live that out today? Can we look past all the failures of one another and bring out, bring to the surface, acknowledge and recognize the glory of God, the grace that we see in one another? Let's do for others now what God will do for us then. Let's rejoice over every little evidence of grace, even if it's a crumb. Bring attention to it. Celebrate it. And when we're committed to this, when we're committed to building one another up in this way and honoring one another, we're going to catch each other doing right things. We're going to catch ourselves um, calling down grace from heaven rather than fire from heaven. In my parenting, and kids, I know your parents aren't this way, but in my parenting, my prayer was, because my spiritual gift is seeing everything wrong, my prayer was, God, would you help me? Help me catch them doing things well. Help me. Like, help me look past, like, the, 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 the messy room and the, um, the, the C on the test and the, whatever it is that they weren't doing for their all for the glory of God. And help me, like, recognize and acknowledge and honor them for doing things right. I was told that Josh Bruffel and his the thing he's doing for kids next door, which I heard has been really awesome. One of the things that he, he, he teaches the kids is to give attaways, attaboys, girls, like in the context of, of sports, like teaching it. And we need more attaways. Attaboy, girl. And what it looks like is when we see kindness and growing kindness and compassion, not perfection, we're never going to honor one another if we're looking for perfection. But as we grow in knowing each other and we see the, the Spirit of God transforming your friend, your, your uh, uh, 
the, the person that you do community with and you see them becoming um, more kind and compassionate and faithful and persevering more and serving more and they're, uh, they're slower to speak and they're quicker to pray, like call it out. Honor them. See, I see Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need that. An example in Philippians 2, 19 through 30. This is that great chapter on humility, remember? Where, where Paul is calling believers to, to be humble, live sacrificial lives, and he gives the example, the only true example of Jesus. The one who emptied himself, who took on flesh, who became humble and obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And after that example, um, he gives this example of, of, a, of Timothy and Epaphroditus. It's in Philippians 2, 19 through 30. And I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to kind of describe it. Where, where he is talking about Timothy. Paul's describing Timothy. And, and Paul says to the Philippian church, he says, I have none like him who will be genuinely concerned for you for he has served me like a son serves a father. He's talking to a third party group about this other man. And I fear in the church that we do talk to third party groups about other people, but it's not always in, a public, in an honoring way. It's in a complaining way. And then he honors this dude by the name of Epi, Epaphroditus. And he says to the church in Philippi, I'm sending Epaphroditus to you, and he is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Let me just let that sink in for a minute. I love that, that Epaphroditus was ill, and he was distressed because other people knew about it because he didn't want them to worry about him. But the point here is that Paul is is calling the church to honor this man. He says, Epaphroditus, Paul says about Epaphroditus, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to serve me. And then Paul says, honor such men. He was serving the Lord and serving the church, and these brought risk to his own life. Honor such men. And this doesn't mean that you just honor professional Christians or you honor missionaries. It means that we look for evidence of grace, of God's glory, and we call it out. We publicly call it out. This type of honoring that's been referred to in Romans 12.10 is not a simple, I appreciate you, or you're really awesome. It's specific. He risked his life. He died for the work of Christ. He took care of me. It's calling attention to specific evidence of God's grace or glory in someone's life. So a couple of words that I, th- that I thought through are intentional and particular. And we need to be intentional in this. We've got to actually like going in and looking for it. And then call out particulars, what we're seeing. We have an exercise in PLI that the current guys haven't got to yet, but there's a list of probably 60 attributes on a page and we go around and we and we take turns each week and we have um, if there's four guys in the group we have three guys um, go through these 60 character traits and circle the ones that define the other the other the other man and then we just spend an hour just affirming what we see and how we see evidence of God's grace 
And you talk to guys in PLI from six years ago, they remember that night. They don't necessarily remember every chapter in systematic theology by Grudem, which is not bad, but they remember that night because they were reminded of God's grace working in them. John Piper said the following, honoring other Christians. He says, these things are not like Christmas ornaments on the tree of faith. They're like branches or fruit on the tree of faith. They belong to the very nature of who we are in Christ. Here's what he means. Like, just, just don't throw up. We're going to get to this in a minute. It's actually a pitfall. Don't just throw out flattery. That's not the point. The point is to really, like, intentionally look and see evidence of God's grace and glory. Look for evidence of their new nature. The great theologian Fred Rogers said the following, I believe that appreciation is a holy thing, that, we, that when we look for what's best in the person, we're doing what God does. So in appreciating our neighbor, we're participating in something truly sacred. And I want to close with this. There are pitfalls in outdoing one another in showing honor. And I want to just name some of them. And I want to start with this, is that one of the pitfalls, one of the reasons that we don't show honor is because we want honor. We want honor more than we give honor. If we try to outdo someone in showing honor, it means that you love to honor more than you love to be honor. You enjoy elevating others to honor more than you enjoy being elevated to honor. So don't be given energy to how you can be honored. That's the world. Give energy to how you can honor other people. Put to death the craving for honor. Cultivate the love of honoring others. What are some reasons that we don't honor other people? I just, like I looked at my own life. One of them is that I think it would be jealous or envious. Like, I don't want somebody to look better than me. And that publicly bringing honor to them, like, puts me in a low place. And the other person in a high place. And you know what? That's the point. That's the point. Another reason for not giving, showing, outdoing, and showing, someone showing honor is that I don't want to puff them up. They already seem a little bit too proud. That's not your worry. That's not your worry if they're prideful. Yeah, there's other one another's that we're going to get to about admonishing one another. But your worry is not to your worry is not to hold back honor and acknowledging the glory and grace of God that you see in that other person because you think it will puff them up. Let God deal with that. Another pitfall. Flattery is not honor. It's lying. Flattery is lying. 
We flatter when we want something from somebody. We flatter others when we want something from them. Flattery is manipulation dressed up with a smile and a party dress pretending to be honor. Here's another reason, another pitfall, another reason that we may not outdo one another in showing honor is that we're on the lookout for mistakes. We're exercising my spiritual gift rather than being on the lookout for glory. We're on a mistake hunt, a sin hunt rather than a glory hunt. We're not looking for the glory of God and others. We're looking for their mistakes and sin. And therefore, when we're looking at their mistakes and sin, we don't see the glory of God working in and through them. Working in and through them. We all have issues. We're all unlovely in some way. Let's look for the glory of God and the grace of God rather than the unloveliness of that person. Here's what I believe. I believe that most people and most churches are on a starvation diet for honor. Because we're so wrapped up in wanting to look a certain way and not wanting to uh, elevate someone that might be above us. So I want to encourage you, don't wait until a graduation, a retirement party, or a funeral to honor someone. Yes, those are great environments. Birthdays are great environments. Let's be on the lookout for evidence of God's grace and his glory in and shining through people today. Let's engage in this competition where everyone wins, where we can fight for first place in line. You want to be first? Let's be first in outdoing one another and showing honor. Not just accepting one another, not just forgiving one another, not just tolerating one another, but outdoing one another in showing honor. This will bring glory to God. Watch your friends' backs straighten and chests come out. Watch your friends have a deepening faith and desire to chase after God after you honor them. Not flattery, but you look and see and call out what God is doing in and through them. Who wouldn't walk into, who wouldn't want, walk into church next Sunday? Or in a community group next Wednesday? To a hero's welcome. Let's pray. God, thank you for, Lord Jesus, that you are the hero in this story. That no individual is heroic on their own. But we know that by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, that you've built a new community. And in this new community that is founded in love, God, we know that you are working in every individual son and daughter. That you're working your good will and purpose. And God, I pray that we would lavish 
honor on one another as we see it. And God, I pray that as we honor one another, God, that it would give you glory. Because anything good that we see in one another is because of your grace. So Lord, please, uh, just I pray that this church, this individual church, God, that you died for, that we would be characterized, we'd be marked by the love of Christ, and we'd be ones who love one another as you loved us. And that love would be an act of love that seeks to outdo one another in showing honor for your glory and for our good. And God's people said,